excited. If you if you missed, I would encourage you. We did a uh, just a brief introduction into the book of uh, Ephesians and just talked about grace and peace increasing in our lives. And, and we're excited about the study we're going to embark on together. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and um, let's open in prayer and we'll, get, we'll jump right in. Gracious Father, thank you. Father, I just thank you for the time of, of singing and singing praises to you and reading of scripture this morning. Father, it is good for us to remind ourselves and to tell you how great you are. The things that you have done, Father, you have saved us. And so, Father, we worship you and we reserve our highest words and our highest praise for you. And so, Lord, this morning as we open your word, Father, I would just pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully. Lord, that you would move within our hearts so we would see the greatness of you, the work that you have done through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our salvation. You are so good. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. So I have a question, and, and you'll be happy. It's not about food. I'm not going to do an introduction about restaurants or, or anything, because that seems to be, I did that twice in a row, and, and I think that's like the most comments I got after a sermon ever. Hey, good job. You're talking about food twice in a row. So um, I'm not going to do that today. But, but I was thinking, how many of you have ever run into someone with so much excitement that you could just tell they were overwhelmed to tell you a story? And you know what that's like. Maybe you've experienced your husband or your wife or your children or a friend relay to you a story about something great that's happened to them. And it usually starts like this, doesn't it? Guess what? What? And then have you ever seen where they just go and they just talk? I remember twice I've received calls from China. And as most of you know, we have a great love for China, Karen and I and our family, as we adopted Katie from, from China. And as we adopted her into our family, I have to tell you, since I and Karen and I, Kelsey and Emily, we adopted Kelsey, I feel like China is part of me. I, I looked at, Kel, uh, at uh, Katie. <laughs> now you know what my kids go through. That's what I'm looking at them and they, whoever, you know. I just go, I'm looking at you, you're the one. I was, I was talking to Katie one time. She goes, you know, Dad, uh, and by the way, don't tell her I used her in a sermon. She, she really gets embarrassed about it. I'm serious on that one. So I'm probably breaking a family rule right now. But um, I, I was sitting down with her, and we talk about pretty deep things sometimes. She goes, Dad, you know I'm Chinese, and you're not. <laughs> I said, you're sharp. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I go, but do you know I feel like I'm Chinese? And she just gave me this look like, why would you feel like you're Chinese? I go, because you're my daughter and you're Chinese. And so I have a love for China. And Karen, my family, we have a love for China that's deep. We feel adopted by that country in so many ways. Yes, I know they have troubles, but we pray. There's a lot of believers there too. So twice Karen has been blessed to return back there. I have not yet since we've gotten Katie. And she, twice she's called me, Ron, guess what? Now actually she's crying. I'm on the Great Wall of China. I'm on Katie's wall. Because when Katie was little, we used to show her pictures of China. And she'd go, look at that wall. I go, that's the Great Wall of China. She goes, that's my wall. And she was so little. I'm on Katie's wall. And it was special that Karen just had to share it with me, even through phone, that I could have that with her. She had to call because this was good news. Emily and I were in New York earlier this year. We were in New York City. And we called home often to share our adventures. We said, guess what? We went to Phantom, and afterwards we walked around the corner, and boom, there was the actor who played Phantom. And I took a picture with him. And then guess what? The actress who played Christine, I took a picture with her. And my, my middle daughter, Emily's like going crazy. This is awesome. I have to tell my, because she's a theater nut. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Later, we go get some cheesecake and some food. I'm walking out. There's Martin Short and Matthew Broderick. And I'm like, hey, Ferris. And he wasn't the nicest guy, but that's on, not on the record. And, but, 
I had to call Karen. Guess what? We met famous people. We had to do that. Our children tell us marvelous stories too. Dads, mom, how many times have you come up to your little ones? Guess what, daddy? Guess what, mommy? And then they come and they, what? I colored a picture today. No way. That's awesome. Right? And we should. Sometimes we just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Hey, parents, this is for free. When your kids are excited about something, even if it's like the most mundane, don't ever, like, don't extinguish that. Just get in there and go, man, that's great. You're special. And then bring the gospel into it. Isn't God good to gift us with these things? If you have excitement, love them. Listen to it. Share in their excitement. And why do I say this? Because in our text today, Paul starts out in our writing and he gets on this theological roll. He starts just going crazy. He starts out, he can't stop his writing to even add a period. In the Greek word in chapters one of Ephesians three through 14, there are 202 Greek words before he even forms a period. And all of those words flow with God-centered, Christ-centered worship. This is a passage of worship. We're gonna read our text in a moment, but you'll see. Paul starts off in verse three with a topical sentence, and then boom, he's going. He's off to the races. He's blazing. And he's saying this in my paraphrase, let's worship God because in Christ, God the Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and then it's almost like, and I'm gonna preach it. I have to tell you, I'm gonna bring it to you. He says, it's go time. And he opens the fire hose of theological praise and worship. And he talks about our gift of salvation from our sovereign God. So let's read our text and we'll see where we're headed this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What a text. Last week, one of the questions I listed as what we will answer as we study this book, as we study Ephesians together is this, why do we worship? Paul answers this question in our text this morning. And it's a very, very important question and I don't know if we always give it the thought that we should. Why do we worship? And you've heard me say this before, people were created to worship. Everybody worships. Everybody worships something. Teenage girls scream at boy band concerts. It's opening day of football today, isn't it? Worship will be taking place in stadiums across this nation. Screaming exalting the team of choice. We praise our favorite restaurants, our favorite stores. We defend our opinions, sometimes very, very strongly. 
on coffee shops, pizza places, Coke versus Pepsi, movies, TV shows. We all have an opinion and we'll all defend and proclaim what we think is the best, don't we? I have a question for you. How many people, politicians, actors, athletes, did we praise this week? Did we give words of praise about? I know I did. Just yesterday, driving home from Gilroy, I told Karen <laughs> how much I admire <clears throat> Buster Posey and how he plays the game. And I said, I like Buster Posey. How many things did we proclaim as excellent or awesome last week? If you're like me, you probably did a lot, quite a bit, of praising different things or people last week. We are people who praise things. People do not have a problem expressing praise. So then why is worship important? Why is the object of our true worship important? It's important because oftentimes we take good things given to us by God, food, treasures, work, relationships, and we exalt them above God. We turn good things into God things, and then we commit idolatry. That's not good, it's not good at all. Look at Romans chapter one, as we think about worship. Verses 24 and 25. As we talk of God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. In verse 24, it talks about before that what God will do and how people have become foolish. And it says this, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You see, our worship needs to be for God and God alone. And when we place something different, idolatry takes place. And really what is sin is when we say, this looks better than Jesus right now. I'm going that way and we commit idolatry amongst the other sins that we do. We place things above God. Our worship should be reserved for God and God alone. So our passage today, last week, I won't, I won't mention names, but I had someone come up to me and go, hey, hey, how are you gonna tackle three through 14? Like they, they, it was kind of fun, it's like they couldn't wait to know. Are you going to like hit everything that, everything that God has done at one shot and just give it to us? Or are you going to take them one by one and do a week on each one? And I actually was really honest to him and said, I don't know. I'm not decided yet. And as I was reading this week, I could not get past the worship and the work of our triune God in this passage. Our passage today is about worship. See, because idolatry happens when people have the wrong view of God. And God shows us and reveals who he is. He revealed himself to us through the word, through his word. And we must worship the God of the Bible. What the Bible says about God is where we place our worship, not our own ideas. And so we all worship when our worship is to be reserved for the triune God. As the doxology says, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So look at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, we have here a call to worship. A call to bless God. And you see how this fits with our scripture reading this morning? I love Psalm 103. And it's kind of nice when you get to teach, I get to pick the, the passages that are, that are read. I'm like, oh, we're going with Psalm 103. And I've even preached on that before. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And David is like Psalms, or David is like Paul, where he just starts going, oh yeah, 
pardon all and healed all diseases, redeem my life from the pit, crowns my life with compassion and loving kindness. I'm forgiven as far as the east is from the west. It's very similar to what Paul does here in this, in this passage. You see, when you start thinking of God and you say, I'm gonna worship God, where should our heart go? Our heart should go to an overflow of who God is. We should go, I know my God. I know who he is, I know what he has done, and I'm gonna praise him for that. At camp this last year, and again, I repeat myself, and, and I apologize for that, sort of, um, and I sort of don't, because there are things in my life that have stuck with me and helped me worship, and helped me pray. And with, um, with the high schoolers up at camp this year, I did a little seminar, and uh, the worship team said one time, uh, he goes, I decided to take a shift where I was supposed to pray, and I believe, and I could misquote it, but I believe it was from like one in the morning till six in the morning. He was called to pray. And I admitted, I couldn't do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I couldn't, I'd have a very, very difficult time doing that. One, for the time, I like to sleep. But two, just that's a long time. So do we have hearts that are prepared to truly worship? So one of the tricks that I do is since we want to know our God, I'll go and say, okay, I'm going to pray now. Our Father who art in heaven. I use that as my starting point for prayer. But then what I do is I pray the alphabet. I said, I'm going to remind myself of who God is. A, he's almighty. B, he's beautiful. C, he's the creator. D, he's divine. E, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. F, you are faithful. You never leave us or forsake us. G, you're great. H, God is holy. I, invisible, but yet, but yet revealed in creation. J, just. K, kind. L, loving, merciful. N, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but you get the idea, right? You hit the O's, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. P, perfect in all your ways. And you don't just do this like I'm doing it right now. Stop. You stop and meditate on A, God is almighty. You know what that does for peace in your life? Just A alone, almighty. There is nothing that he can't handle in your life. And what a wonderful way to worship. You see, we need to be worshiping people. By the way, when you get to X, you go, excellent. <laughs> That's the best I got for you on that. And Z, I go alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, as it states in Revelation. Because I really don't have anything for Z either. Hey, I like that. There you go. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're, you're a wise man, to give credit. <laughs> I would have totally stole that. I'd be like, yeah, zealous. And I would have, I would have owned it. <laughs> but you see, we need to know God and remind ourselves. And that's what Paul here is doing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. When he says, bless the Lord, it is a call to worship. And so as I was preparing today, I couldn't get back and couldn't get myself away from, yeah, do I want to talk about election? I do. I really do. I mean, it's, it's cool. And being chosen, I, I like deep theological stuff. I like it. But I couldn't get past the point that this is a worship passage. And sometimes I think people come to this passage and you do one of two things. Yeah, we're going to prove election and predestination today. Bring it. Bring it, pastor. Set them right. Or you go, oh, no, another one on predestination and election. They're going to beat me up today. No. We are going to look at God and see why he needs to be worshipped. And then next week, we're going to get into election. And we're going to go back and look at the work of God the Father. We're going to look closely at the work of the Son. And we're going to look closely at the work of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. Because you can't ignore that either. We have to deal with the text as it is written, and we need to be faithful to it. This passage is a wor worship passage. Verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is praise. It's blessing God. It's worshiping God. 
why he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Think about that for a moment. Every means every. Peter, seeing that his divine power has granted to us what? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. What a blessed people we are. And so we worship God. And then verse 14. You have a call to worship right there in verse 13. And then look at the very end. To the praise of his glory. Which is also mentioned other times in the text. So in this text we praise. This text of praise we see a great Trinitarian picture of the God who alone is worthy of our worship. In this text, we see the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. And so I want to look today at three reasons why we worship. These are our blessings in Christ. Remember, it's in Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So let's read verses three through six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Why do we worship? Reason one, and if you have your note sheets and you want to take some notes on it, that'd be great. We worship because we've been chosen by the Father. And then verse five, he predestined us. Chosen by God, predestined by God. Now I want to say, these are words that are not written to cause tension or concern. Paul was not fretting when he wrote this to the church in Ephesus. Oh, I better say this right. He just says it. And we'll get into that deeper next week. But these are not words to cause tension or concern. They are the God-breathed, inspired word of God. He chose us. He predestined us. And the word of God should inspire us to worship. We should stop and reflect and be in awe over God's eternal plan. See, for what purpose or when were we chosen? We were chosen when? And it tells us in the passage. Chosen before the foundation of the world. And then for what purpose were we chosen? To be holy and blameless before God. Think about that for a moment. Chosen to be holy and blameless before God. Wow. Chosen by the Father in Christ before there was even time to be holy and blameless. And I want to stress something very, very, very important. Apart from God's sovereign will, you and me would be anything but holy and blameless before him. We would be utterly undone. We would be consumed by his holiness. Every single time you see someone enter up into heaven, right, when God opens up a little bit, allows a man to come and see Isaiah, John, what happens? They hit the deck. You see, God is a consuming fire. We sometimes, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Well, here's what's wonderful about God. He's huge. We're like, whoa, where to go, Ron? Bring it in. That, that helped. <laughs> Is God love? Yes. Is God only love? No. God is holy. God is just. God requires sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, God's word says. See, so many people go, I'm going to choose the God of love. Oh, you know what I can't stand? This is for free. And I'm <laughs> moving from my notes, so don't. The God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath. And the God of the New Testament is a God of love. 
I choose the New Testament. God is God. And his wrath is withheld right now because he's saving people. But it does not negate and push aside. He's saying, not right now, not yet. Even in Revelation, you see those who were martyrs saying, hey, God, how long? How long until you take care of this? And he says, not yet. I still am saving people. And so when we see God, he not, is not just love alone. We take him for all he is. And without the work of Christ and without God's sovereign choosing and God's sovereign predetermined plan, we would not be holy and blameless. How many of you have ever been blamed for something? How many times were they right? How many times were they wrong? You know the pain of being blamed for something that you really didn't do? Isn't that hard? But yet, if we're honest with ourselves, if we come before God and he says, hey, are you blameless? Our pride and our self-righteousness might want to cry out, oh yeah, I'm good. But in reality, we're toast. We're dead. Without this work, the work of Christ on the cross, without God's plan, we would be utterly undone. And it says we were chosen to be holy and blameless before God. And how is that accomplished? Through Christ. But also, it was God's predetermined plan. Predestined in love, we have been predestined for adoption through Christ according to the purpose of his will. Again, according to his sovereign purpose. If God wants something to get done, will God get it done? Yes. It's not like us. How many of you, every weekend I say I'm going to clean the shed in my head. I don't ever verbalize it because then I'll be held to it. <laughs> but in my head, I wake up on Saturday and go, I should really clean the shed today. That's my plan. Shed's not clean. If God says, I'm going to take care of something right now. He will take care of it right now. And so in his plan, he predestined us for adoption through Christ. And I will try to hold this together, hold myself together as I teach on this a little stronger in the next week or so. He makes us his children. He makes us his child. We are loved by a father who loves perfectly. God's love is huge and it's eternal. He displayed his love even as he displayed his wrath to, uh, on Christ at the cross. Wrath and love displayed right at the same time. And all of this was decided before the foundation of the world. Please guard your hearts from getting too philosophical on these points. God's choosing, God's predetermined plan, and add to the scriptures. Don't add to the scriptures when you see this. Embrace the truth of who God is. When the truth of who God is is recognized in our hearts and believed, we worship. He loves us. He's made us his children. I can't help but think of the song. Um, and it, yeah, it repeats itself a bit. So did the Psalms from time to time. But it says, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Love like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. What an awesome and poetic way to speak of God's love. Another line in there, if grace is an ocean, we're sinking. Oh, how he loves us. See, embrace what God has done. Don't fight it. Don't get philosophical about it. 
and recognize what he's done and who he is. He chose us, he predestined us for adoption. Why would you fight that? In our flesh, and that happens sometimes, especially sometimes in older adoptions. They go, oh, and they, they think the reality of where they came from is better than the reality they have in a loving family. Don't push it aside. He loves us. And so we worship. This is so awesome. And look how the passage describes God. In verses four and five, God is loving. In verses six through eight, he's gloriously gracious. In verse eight, infinitely wise. God is sovereign in verses five and nine. It speaks of his sovereign favor. It speaks of his perfect purpose. You see his plan in verse 10. And again, you see his purpose in verse 11. This passage screams worship because of who God is. So we worship God for all he is, not our own preconceived ideas, but for what the Bible says he is and what he has done. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And so now Paul is rolling. And again, I want to stress this before, before we move on. I, I know that I have not answered many questions you may have about this passage when you talk of election, predestination, God's choosing. And I am going to return here next week. Again, this, I don't want to lose the context of this is a worship passage. But we will explore these points, each of them, more deeply over the next few weeks. So come. So be here. I, I, it's going to be great. We will learn of our God and can I commend you, we worship God well. We will worship God better as we grow in the knowledge of him. So we worship God because we've been chosen by the Father. And we also worship because we've been redeemed by the Son. Redemption. God the Father accomplishes our salvation and our redemption through Jesus Christ. Look at verses 7 through 10. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we give praise to God for the work of the Son. Redemption and forgiveness. See what the passage says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption. We're redeemed, we're liberated. We're liberated from bondage. Any of you have, and I hope this is true for all of us, think back to a sin you struggled with early in your walk with Christ, that now today, not by your own power, and you know it's not by your own power, please, but now today, through the Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, being transformed by the will of God, you don't struggle with that sin anymore. Do any of you, have you? I pray you've experienced that victory, because it's wonderful. And you go, look what God has done. I'm different. I'm changed. I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm free. And then, of course, we recognize that we have other things to work on right now, don't we? Yeah, we know that. But the good news is we go, okay, I'm struggling with this right now, but I know God is faithful because I used to struggle with this. And now psh, it's dead. It's been killed by the grace of God. And so we know Christ is at work in our lives. And so in him, we have redemption, forgiveness. We're liberated. Liberty. Galatians, 
Top of my head, free again, and I'll probably butcher a little bit. It was for freedom Christ died. Therefore, do not be subject to a yoke of slavery again. We're free from the law. Free from our prison. Think of Israel leaving Egypt. Yes, I know that they grumbled. I know that. I love the Keith Green song. I know, old school, aging myself right now. Do you want to go back to Egypt, right? Yeah, there was leeks and onions there. Look at Moses, you send us out here to die. We know they did that. But also, look at some of the songs of praise as they sang what God had done to deliver them. Take a look maybe this week and see the song of Moses as they crossed the Red Sea, as they proclaimed God's salvation. As they say, we've been free from slavery. They had moments where they recognized what really had happened. Liberation and freedom. Note that it doesn't say we hope for redemption. Or it doesn't even say redemption is coming. It says you are redeemed. What a truth. We have in Christ our redemption. Think of being a slave in the slave market. Slavery is horrible, dehumanizing, awful. And you could be in a cage knowing you'd be sold and someone comes and pays the price and takes you and says, oh no, no, you're not working for me. You're free to go. That's what Christ did for us. But in our response to that is, oh, you bet I'm working for you. Because you are a loving, gracious redeemer. A wonderful, merciful savior as we sing. Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says this, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in Christ. I love that, the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. Any of you ever stumbled in the dark? Been lost? And then the lights come on? Oh, okay, now I see. What amazing grace, redemption, the forgiveness of sin. It's the idea of being bought out of slavery and given your freedom. Being rescued. We have a new life. We have a new home. We have a new kingdom. But it was not without cost. You see, this was accomplished, as it says in verse 7. This was accomplished by the blood of Jesus. Don't weaken the cross. The price was paid on the cross. Revelations 1.5 is a note. You might want to look at that. We've been bought with a price, right? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. We were redeemed from the curse of the law. Why? Because Christ became a curse for us. Galatians 3, verse 13. In Christ we have redemption. I can't help but think of, you know, the plastic bottles that I collect. They sit there and make a mess in my garage. And they start to overflow. And then I put them in a bag and I take them down and Katie and I go get money. We love getting that money. We play a little game. How much do you think we're gonna get today? What do you think, Katie? I'm gonna say $17. We have some aluminum cans and stuff in there. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 15. All right, let's see. And we make it a game and a contest. And then I take the paper up there and she stays in the car. What'd we get? 17 bucks. You were right. Yeah. And then I give her a dollar. <laughs> and she looks at me like, you're kind of cheap, dad. But she doesn't do much for it. So it's a good lesson. It's grace. <laughs> but we take the trash and we trade it for something of value. We were dead in our sins. Christ paid the cost on the cross. Makes us his children. And now, how valuable are you in Christ? Amazing. And then we are forgiven. I asked a question earlier, how many of you have ever been blamed for something, rightly or wrongly? wrongly? How many of you have been forgiven? Every hand. 
How many of you have experienced someone who withheld forgiveness and the pain that that causes? You've apologized and they look you in the eye and turn their back and walk away. Hey, how you doing? Maybe you were wrong. Sometimes maybe you weren't. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Seeing things from this side and someone's seeing something from this side. What a sin when reconciliation doesn't happen between brothers and sisters in Christ. What a horrible sin. Because we have been forgiven, so we forgive. It's the mark of a believer. Knowing you're forgiven, and when you really understand it, it changes your life. Forgiveness kills self-righteousness. It is the atomic bomb against self-righteousness. Why is that? Because you realize how wicked you were and what you struggle with now, and you know that Christ paid the penalty for your sins, and you worship, and don't worry about your neighbor. Now there is ways to handle sin, don't get me wrong on that, but it's done in gracious, and it's done out of a heart that says, I want you to experience the forgiveness that's in Christ also. But it's not a self-righteous, wicked person. Ugh. I mean, can you imagine how awful it would be? It's like, they're in church. Yeah, praise God. If you knew my heart, you'd probably sometimes be going, he's in church. Self-righteousness is a killer, but we've been forgiven. So let's have God in Christ kill our self-righteousness and just focus on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness. It is not withheld. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Man, I love that. That means hit the golf ball and it's not stopping. It's going. It's gone. It doesn't even loop around and come back. It's gone. Forgiveness is awesome. You see, so many refuse to even come to Christ for forgiveness. And they don't even confess their sins. There's too much pride. Oh, I don't really know. We start negotiating in our mind. Is it a sin? Was it not? I think I was right. I think I was wrong. Maybe on that part, I'll ask forgiveness for that. But I'm not asking forgiveness for that because I was in the right. I can do that. I'm an American. I have rights. Christ relinquished his glory, his position, and his rights. And he emptied himself and became a bondservant and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Realize how we're forgiven through Christ and die to yourself. Confess your sins. Quit the negotiation process. If you think that maybe you're in the right, die to self. If you're going to make an error, err on the dying to self. Don't err on the pride side. We have too much pride. First John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous and just to forgive us our sins. If we say we have no sin, we lie and we deceive ourselves and we make God a liar. Bad place to be in. Confess your sins. I love in Luke 7 how we see a picture of knowing that we're forgiven. It brings us to worship. Remember the woman who was forgiven so many sins? What did she do? She came to Christ and poured out oil upon his feet. Judas couldn't stand it. He was going, ah, it's money. Don't do that. We could, oh, we could use that. And Christ says, no, this woman knows she's been forgiven. And he accepted her worship. Brothers and sisters, confess your sins and pour out your gratefulness to our Savior in worship. 
just as in Luke 7. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, And if you, O Lord, should mark our sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared, that you may be known. Through forgiveness we can know God. Grace. You cannot escape God's grace in our lives in this passage. Our redemption and forgiveness are according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Jesus Christ lavished, God the Father lavished grace on us through Christ. Through Christ, we have received amazing grace. That's what we sang this morning. This is amazing grace. It's amazing love. Undeserved grace. We didn't deserve any of it. Yet he pours it out. Third, we worship because we are assured of all of God's work by the Holy Spirit. For the sake of time, we're definitely going to hit these things a little stronger in the weeks to come, but we've received an inheritance. Some have this worded as we've been made an inheritance or we've been made an, made a, an inheritance or a heritage. Which is it? Here's what I think. It's both. Scripture speaks of both. But here's the truth. We have a tremendous future, assured, settled, and sealed because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We have hope. We have joy awaiting. Full of hope, free from worry. We are God's possession. We belong to him. 1 Peter 2.9 and other verses like it say, we are God's possession. And then I like 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, both same book. We've been born again to a hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see how it says we're a people of God and we are God's uh, people, a people for his own possession, a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Right? And then also it says, but also we've received an inheritance. We belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Like the hymn says. We are God's. And some people always want proof. Prove it. Okay. Paul says I'm proving it. It comes with a guarantee. You ever buy something and say, hey, what's the guarantee? Well, you know, you got a guarantee for a week. Three years, 36,000 miles. And sure enough, right? 36,001, poof. <laughs> the guarantee is the Holy Spirit given to us as a pledge or a promise from a righteous and holy God. God doesn't break promises. He says, oh, no, no, no. You're mine. You belong to me. The proof is the Holy Spirit. I have a plan. I am sovereignly going to work it out according to my will. And though now we worship. The Spirit has a mighty work in our lives. He reveals Christ to us. And so we believe in God's plan. We believe in God's redemptive work. And then we're sealed in the Spirit. Spirit is our guarantee. You and me, we are officially children of God. Unbreakable. You can't break it. You're sealed. Chosen by God, redeemed through Christ, and sealed and assured by the Holy Spirit. So what does this do? We worship. How can we not worship? How can we not sing and tell others and tell God how great he is? To the praise of his glory, Paul says at the end of verse 14. Kind of makes the doxology make sense, doesn't it? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above everything, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father who chose us before the foundation of the world, who predestined us to adoption. Praise Son who redeemed us. Praise Holy Ghost, 
who assures us that all God has done stands firm and does not change. In closing, if you have your notes, I'm going to do something each week. And it's called Monday through Saturday. Just kind of put it down there. What we can do while we're not together at church. Take a look at those. But one, I would really, if you do, don't do anything else, could you please read uh, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 and read it really thoughtfully, maybe a little slowly, meditative, meditate on it a bit. And then read chapters four through six and then reflect again, as we said last week, chapters one through three is our position in Christ. And, verses, and chapters four through six is our practice, how we live because of who we are in Christ. I would really challenge you, challenge us as a church to do this. I would also, if you want to go an extra step, choose a passage out of your reading to memorize. And then tell someone why you're choosing that. I've hid God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. And hiding God's word in your heart fuels worship. It gives you that much more resource and material to worship. You can take some time to reflect and remember how blessed we are as God's children. If you start reflecting on the blessings you have in Christ, it will take away your idle time where you start to move towards sin. Maybe I'm the only one. It's good to stay busy and reflecting on God. It keeps us from laziness and sinfulness. And then think about this. What does it mean to be in Christ? And then how will you live because you're in Christ? So I hope you find that helpful. Thank you for uh, listening. This is a worship passage with deep theological truths. And we'll hit those next week. Don't be afraid of them. It's God's word. And we'll just tackle it together and say, look what God has done. Look what God says. This is awesome. Let's pray. Father, we worship you because of all you've done and all you are. You are so good. Lord, I thank you that your word says, while we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. Father, you had a plan. Your plan included me and my brothers and sisters here. This plan started before the foundations of the world. You work your plan and you accomplished it through Christ who redeemed us, saved us from our sins, has given us new life. You've made us your children. And Father, you assure us that it's all working and it will work and we are steadfast in your love because the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Oh Father, thank you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for saving us so undeserved. Without you, we're dead. And so Father, we thank you for the life you've given us through Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.